raced along them. Two hundred yards further down, they found what they were looking for. Chris bent over it and cursed. What the hell happened? There was a body lying on the tracks, a body that had probably once been a man, but which was now a mass of mangled meat and clothing. Ronnie stared at the remains in horror. Looks like he hasn't got an unbroken bone left in his body. What could do that to him? asked Chris. You ask me, it looks like he was hit by a train. How could that be? Chris stood up and shone the beam of the flashlight along the tracks, to where the rusty rails came to a sudden stop fifty yards away, to be replaced by grass, weeds and bushes. There hasn't been a train along here in fifty years. Nightingale was asleep, but he wasn't asleep. In fact, he wasn't sure where he was. Everything was misty, or cloudy, or somewhere between. He had been asleep, he was fairly sure of that. Then he thought he had woken up, but then it became clear that he was still dreaming. The mist was heavier, closer to the ground so he couldn't feel his feet. Then he realised he actually couldn't feel anything. It was as if he was wrapped in cotton wool. He couldn't hear anything either. He sniffed and wasn't in the least surprised to discover that he had no sense of smell. It takes some getting used to, the astral plane, said a voice. He turned and saw the tiny bird-like figure of Alice Steadman behind him. She was smiling up at him, dressed in a long black shirt and black leggings with a thick leather belt with a silver buckle in the shape of a quarter moon. Her grey hair was tied back in a ponytail, and her skin was wrinkled and almost translucent, but her emerald green eyes had the burning intensity of a teenager. You could have phoned Mrs. Steadman. He wasn't sure how to greet her, so he just gave her a small wave. She smiled, showing tiny, white, perfect teeth. You are forever changing your number, she said. And this is so much more personal. So where are you? Just outside of Denver, Colorado. Working for Mr. Wainwright? Nightingale smiled. He knew that Mrs. Stedman didn't have an especially high opinion of his employer. I'm afraid so. I wonder if I might ask a favour of you, she said, and waved at a white wrought iron bench that seemed to have appeared from nowhere. Of course, said Nightingale. They sat down on the bench. Mrs. Stedman put her tiny hands in her lap. A friend of mine has a problem, more than a problem. Her father has died in circumstances that are somewhat strange. The local police don't seem to know what happened, and my friend feels they are being less than helpful. I'd be happy to help. Excellent. She is in a place called Scarsdale in Utah. I believe it's not too far from Denver. I'll go tomorrow, said Nightingale. So tell me what happened. I'd rather you heard it from Annette. She reached over and gently touched the back of his hand. Instantly, Nightingale realised that he knew Annette Carson's name, address and telephone number. That's a great trick, Mrs. Stedman. She giggled girlishly. 
Why, Mr. Nightingale, that's not a trick. It's magic. Is this Annette, a wicker person like yourself? Just a friend, she said. I sold her a candle once, and she became a regular visitor to my shop. She knew of my interest in the wicker world, of course, and she called me today for some advice. The best advice I could come up with was for her to talk with you. With that, Nightingale awoke. He glanced at the clock radio on the table next to his bed. It was just after six o'clock in the morning. He groped for his iPhone and googled Annette Carson's address. It was about six hundred miles from his motel on the outskirts of Denver, so he figured it would be at least a ten-hour drive. He sighed, rolled off the bed and headed for the bathroom. Nightingale had picked up an Avis rental when he'd arrived at Denver Airport.